Father God, we just want to say thank you for this day. God, thank you for the opportunity to be here, to worship you, to serve you. And God, we just want to say thank you to give us the opportunity to come and see. Lord, it is a tricky thing for us to step out on faith and follow you and serve you whenever we just don't know. We don't always know that everything's going to be okay. We don't always know that, that what you've promised that you're going to go through with, Lord, it's really hard for us to trust in those things a lot of times. But God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts today. Lord, help us to to have the faith to come and see what you can do, not only in our lives, but through our lives. Father, we just, we're so grateful to be able to come to you in faith and to have salvation, to have eternal life. But God, there's so much work for us to do here in this world. I pray, Lord, that you would speak into our lives and help us to, to see the calling that you have on us so much more than just saying that we believe. It's so much more than just looking forward to heaven one day. But God, there's a kingdom that you have called us to build. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us in all that we do to serve you and be obedient to your word. Jesus, we love you today. We thank you for everything and we ask all this in your precious and holy name. All God's people said, amen. You may be seated. You know, there's something about seeing things with your own eyes. I don't know if there's ever been a point in time in your life where you've been told something or you heard something and uh, you said, I'm not going to believe it until I see it. But there is always things in our life that we just have to see, we have to experience for ourselves before we're willing to actually believe. And we live in a day and time now to where everything is questionable, right? You know, a lot of times we don't even really know what is true anymore. Uh, you know, between news and social media and rumors and all this stuff, it's like you, you don't even really understand what's going on, what's reality, and, and what we should really put our trust and faith in. I believe that it is something that God instilled within us for us to desire to see it in order to believe it. And at the same time where we have this innate desire to see something in order to believe it, there is this calling by Jesus Christ for us to have faith and to believe without seeing, which makes it really hard and really tricky because it goes against our very nature and what we want and what we desire in order to really follow Christ. And it complicates things significantly, especially when you're dealing with people of the world and you're trying to witness. Because even for us who already claim faith in Jesus Christ, how many times have you in your relationship with God since you've been saved where you've found it hard to really believe at certain points in time in your life that everything's going to be okay? That God's going to bring healing? That, that God's going to fix this problem or this situation or this is going to happen because this was God promised this. It's really hard for us to have faith, even in the midst of people of faith. 
Because we claim to be people of faith if we believe in Jesus Christ. And at the same time, it's always difficult for us to cling to our faith and remain in faith throughout the course of our life. It's, it's how we are made righteous with God. And if there's one thing that Satan is going to attack in your life, it's going to be causing you to doubt your relationship with Jesus Christ, causing you to doubt your, your belief or to see things through that God is going to work things out in your life. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says, Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. You and I have a calling on our life to believe in God without being able to see it. Without being able to understand, without being able to know that this is going to happen or you're going to be taken care of or you're going to be provided for or God's going to work this thing out in your life. We're called to have faith and believe in Christ in spite of being able to see those things. So how do you balance out this whole thing about believing without seeing and yet everything in your life wants to see in order to be able to solidify your faith? Well, one of the cool things about following Christ is is that if you do step out on faith and you do follow Him in due time, you do get to see God do these things. You don't get to see it in the beginning, but through time, God reveals so many things to us. And if you're saved this morning... You can testify to, okay, I put my hope and faith in Jesus Christ and he delivered me from this. You can testify to that. You experience it for yourself. You trusted in Christ, he provided in this moment. You trusted for healing, he provided it eventually. It may not have been something that come right in that moment in time, but if you stepped out on faith and you believed, then eventually you had the ability to see God work and move in your life and in those situations, right? All right. So, glad we got some people in here who's experienced it. John chapter 1, verses 35 through 39. And, and this gospel is pretty unique. It's funny, we're actually studying this gospel with our, with our staff, Bible study on Thursdays. Um, very unique gospel. And, and in this, John starts talking about John the Baptist pretty early on. And it's amazing because you see John the Baptist as being established as this, this really... He's, he's this great figure. He, he's this wonderful example of what it means to follow the calling of God on your life. But John the Baptist is approached by the religious leaders, and they ask him, they say, are you the Messiah that we've been looking for? And he says, no, I'm not him. Well, are you Elijah? No, I'm not him. Well, who are you? What authority do you have to baptize and do the things that you're doing and speak and say the things that you're saying? And John the Baptist begins to quote the book of Isaiah and say, I'm a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare ye for the coming of the Lord. Prepare the way. I'm paving out a straight path so that the Messiah can come. And in the passage that we're going to read, which is verses 35 through 39, John the Baptist has just said, I'm not the Messiah, but I'm preparing the way for the Messiah. And then following that passage, he goes on to say, that even among you in this crowd, there is a man who is so great that I'm not even worthy to untie the thongs of his sandals. That I'm not even worthy to be his slave. And, and John the Baptist knew that the Messiah was already among them. He had not seen him. He had not identified him at this moment in time. But he knew that he was already among them. <clears throat> and then you look at verse 35 through 39. And it says, the following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. 
And as Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, Look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. And Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want? He asked them. I don't know if you ever just kind of like find the humor in, in Scripture, but to me, this is pretty funny, you know, these two disciples just leave John the Baptist, they're following Jesus, and they're at this distance, and it's kind of creepy, you know? It's like if you were a woman and you had two men following you around like this, you'd be like, this is weird. And these two men are just creeping around, following behind Jesus, and Jesus turns around, and he notices them, and he says, what do you want? Remember that. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying. And they remained with him for the rest of the day. And so right here in this passage, you see this moment where John the Baptist, who has been proclaiming that the Messiah is coming, he is in fact here, he is already among us. He had no clue who that Messiah was up to this moment. All right, He's proclaiming this, he's stepping out on faith, he's believing in this calling that he's had on his life, that, that God has said, you are preparing the way for the coming of the Messiah, which is super important. And as he's doing this, he finally sees Jesus. He says, look, there is the Lamb of God. That's him. This is the person that I've been talking about. And at this moment, we talked about this uh, this past Thursday, our Bible study, how interesting it was for, for John's life to peak at this moment. This is the greatest thing that he's ever done in this moment to say, there is the Messiah. That's the one we've been waiting for. And in this moment, the most significant part of John the Baptist's life was completed in that moment. And so it's kind of downhill from there. John the Baptist said, I must become less and less so that he can become more and more. And in this moment, John loses two of his disciples. It already begins. As soon as he identifies the Messiah, he loses two of his people that he's invested in, that he's trained, that's been baptizing with him, and they begin to follow Jesus, and they leave him behind. You with me today? Faith is significant. The ability to be able to come and see is significant. So point number one today, God has already established people who believed and testified about Jesus. That's really important for us to understand. I don't know if you've ever thought about it today. I don't know if you've ever thought about how significant it is that people around you already believed in Jesus Christ and impacted you in order for you to believe in Jesus Christ. That is vitally important to every person who's ever put their faith in Jesus. Is the people that they've watched and they've saw and they saw the testimony in their life, they saw the example that they set before them. That's huge. Do you ever think about what would happen if John the Baptist had not been obedient to the calling that God placed on his life? Here's the man that God said, you are going to prepare the way for the coming of the Messiah. And John the Baptist says, I don't know who that is. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to dress in camel's hair. I'm not living out in the wilderness. I'm not eating locusts and wild honey. That's weird. I'm not going to do that. Right? Any of you ever feel weird when it comes to religious stuff? Like, like a lot of the things that we do at church, a lot of things that center around the scriptures and the Bible and what we do as believers in Jesus Christ, it's pretty weird when you think about it comparatively to things that the rest of the world does. It makes you uncomfortable. And it makes you even more uncomfortable when you feel like you need to do those things in front of people who don't understand why you're doing it. And John the Baptist steps out on faith 
And he proclaims the coming of the Messiah without even knowing who the Messiah is going to be. He realized in his life, God established him for this purpose to know that my job, my calling is to proclaim the coming of the Messiah. And that's all that he was supposed to do. And when you look at how important that is, John the Baptist wasn't the only one. You look at Luke chapter 2, there's this guy named Simeon. He's an elderly man. And God had revealed to him that he would not die until he had saw the Messiah. And so when Mary and Joseph bring Jesus into the temple to dedicate him and to do all the things that they were supposed to do, here's Simeon, this old man who just happened to be in the temple that day. He sees Jesus. It's revealed to him who he is. And so he takes the baby Jesus in his arms and he begins to prophesy over him and praise the Lord. Now, how awesome is that? To know that the most important thing that you ever did in your life was to become an old man and hold a baby, and that's the most significant thing that you'll ever do. And for us as people of the world, we think, well, that doesn't seem like that big of a deal. But it's huge. It's huge that we as believers in Jesus Christ are faithful to do the things that we are called to do because it may not seem big to the rest of the world, but it's so vitally important to the plan that God has not only for you as an individual, but for your community and your church and everybody who's going to experience life around you. And so Simeon is faithful in his calling. The Lord led him, the Spirit led him to the temple that day so that he could be there when Christ was brought in and he could see him. And what would have happened if he had been disobedient in that? And then Anna, the other lady who was there and prophesied and praised the Lord over that, was an elderly woman who had been a widow for like 70 years. And she basically just hung out at the temple, fasted, prayed, worshiped constantly, even spent the night at the temple a lot of times. What would have happened if she had not been faithful in her worship and devotion to the Lord, where she would not have been there to testify and to praise the Lord whenever Jesus was brought in as a child? God establishes people to proclaim Christ and to represent Him and to testify about Him. And so many of us, we come here this morning And so many of you are like, man, I really wish that God would just give me the faith to do that. I really wish that like it was so much easier to just believe and so much easier to just trust in God. And that he would just magically like, I'm just going to wake up tomorrow and I'm just going to have faith to do all this stuff that God wants us to do and live according to scripture and not care. And it's just going to happen. And the truth is, is that it's not just going to magically happen. See, all this stuff that we read about, you read about John the Baptist, you read about Simeon, you read about Anna, it comes with a price. Stuff like that doesn't just, we don't just wake up one day and become incredible ministers of the gospel by accident. We don't represent Christ in our life by accident. We don't, we don't turn into men and women of God. We don't become holy. We don't become set apart by accident. It is an act of faith that we, have, we are called to, as believers in Jesus Christ, to step out on that faith and to trust in God. And then whenever we follow him, we get to come and see God working and moving in the midst of that. It's not necessarily something you're going to see initially, but through time, God reveals all these things. John the Baptist was a loner, lived out in the wilderness, ate bugs for food. You willing to pay that price to see people get saved? I mean, when when you think about it, like a Simeon, an old man, was waiting and being obedient to the Holy Spirit until one day he's old and the most significant thing he would ever do in his life 
would be to hold a baby and prophesy over him. You, you willing to give up so many things in life in order to be obedient, just waiting for that one moment where God says, this is the most significant thing that you'll do. And if you'll be obedient to me in due time, I'll reveal it to you. And you'll have one of the most significant aspects of history fall on your shoulders and be able to participate in that. And you look at Anna, who's elderly, had been a widow for decades, and lives at the temple and worships and fasts and prays constantly are you willing to abandon the rest of life in order to really focus your entire life on the Lord? <clears throat> and just so happened because you were faithful, you just happened to be there that day and saw it and you got to prophesy and, and experience that moment too because you were being faithful and you had given up so many other things in order to do it. The truth is, is that when you look at most Americans who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ, we want to see revival. Like, we hear other people talk about it. We hear other people say, you know, back in the day, the Great Awakenings, and you, we read these books, and you hear about revival happening around the world, and we want to see people get saved, and we want to see our family members give their hearts and lives to Jesus Christ, and we want to see God working and moving, and we want to see miracles happen, and we want to do all this stuff. But ne there's not very many of us who's willing to pay the price and do what it takes in order to see those things happen. You with me today? This is tough. I'm not throwing stones at you. I'm talking to all of us this morning, myself included, to know that when you talk about what it means to have people established who can testify and live this out and be this example for other people to follow and to see from a distance, it takes a great deal of faith to step out and do that. God had called John the Baptist, but John the Baptist had to act out in faith to do all the things that God called him to do. Simeon, Anna, all of them, they had to act out in faith in order to do what God had called them to do. And thank God these people were willing to do it. Because where would we be if they hadn't have? Point number two. Because of the testimony of those who believed, those who didn't believe followed. And when I say this, you know, we're talking about the two disciples who, who left John the Baptist. It's not that they didn't believe, but they would not have known. You with me today? The only reason they knew that Jesus was the Messiah was because John the Baptist says, look, there's the Lamb of God. That's him. It was his testimony. And you look at our, you look today, and you think about your children and your grandchildren. You know, I asked earlier, where would we be? In our relationship with Christ, if we had not had mothers and fathers and grandparents and other people who poured in our life, pastors, youth pastors, people who, who really made a huge impact in your life, if they had refused to be obedient, where would you be today? What would you be spending your time on? What would you be investing your life in if they had not poured into you? And so when you look at this and you think about how drastically and fast and, and just ridiculously different our world is today and how fast it changes every day. And if our children and grandchildren don't have people who are representing Christ in their lives, what do you think they're going to be in 20 to 30, 40, 50 years? What do you think they're going to be putting their hope and trust and faith in if it's not Jesus, if we don't represent and give testimony and step out on faith ourselves so that they can see God working and moving in our life and us testifying to that? What do you think they're going to be putting their hope and trust and faith in the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years? It's changing so fast that 
it'll be amazing if we are faithful that they still put their hope and trust and faith in it. You with me today? It's difficult. It's possible, but it's difficult. And so when you look at this, John the Baptist, his testimony, his testimony caused his own disciples to leave him. And so when you talk about the testimony of those who believe, for you who claim to be a believer in Jesus Christ, your testimony, your life is going to cost you something. You with me today? And it's not like, oh, I got saved years ago and I had to give up some things and I followed Christ and then we don't give up anything from here on out. No, we need to be reminded that as we follow Jesus Christ, it is costing us something daily. Every day. And whatever you think you have to give up today, you just remember and you remind yourselves, okay, I gave this up today. There'll be something else he calls me to give up tomorrow and the next day and the next week and the next month and the next year. It will be a constant revolving thing that God calls you to, to give up for him. Because the truth is, is we have to become less and less so that he can become more and more. Don't think that John the Baptist just has this like unique special calling on his life where he becomes less and less and like, oh, as soon as he proclaims who the the Messiah is, he loses two of his disciples and they go follow Jesus. No, like we all are called to that. We're all called to die to ourselves. We're all called to put ourselves to death. And you got to think about how many of us are willing to do that. It's like we say it, we know it's scripture, we know that when Jesus had his followers and the crowds following him, he turned around and he looked at him and he said, look, he's like, you need to count the cost. Massive crowds following Jesus. Everybody was invited. He didn't turn anybody away. He didn't tell them, no, you can't come. You can't be a part of my group. This is invitation only. He simply turns around and he says, before you do this, you need to know what it's going to cost you because it's going to cost you something. You need to be willing to put yourself to death. You need to be willing to take up your own cross. You need to be willing to leave behind family, friends, loved one, houses, land, riches, anything in life. You need to be willing to leave it behind. You put your hand to the plow, you don't look back. That's what it costs to be a follower of mine. And what did most of the people do? They willingly walked away because they weren't willing to pay the price. To follow Jesus Christ, it costs us something. Not just once, it costs us something every single day. And we are called to put ourselves to death. This is why Paul, he writes, he says, look, it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. We are called to put ourselves to death. Like when we follow Christ, we say, it's no longer my life. It's no longer my choices. I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. I'm going to do what he's called me to do. I'm going to go where he's leading me to go. I'm going to say what he's calling me to say. We're submitting and surrendering to him on a daily basis. And if we're obedient and we live for Christ, because here's the deal. It's not just a matter of the words that we say. Your actions will testify perfectly. Your choices, your actions will be the perfect testimony that you have to give. So many Christians are just scared to death to have to say anything religious or talk about Jesus or talk about religious things. I don't know scripture that good. I don't really know what to say. I just get so nervous. Don't even worry about what to say. 
You know, Scripture says that whenever the time comes, the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say if you trust in Christ. But your life is your testimony. Your actions is your greatest testimony. If you will simply live the way that God has called you to live, it will be enough testimony for everybody to see. I believe more than anything that if we raise Perry and Naomi today and we never said a word about Jesus Christ, that just them watching our life alone should be enough. Now, I believe that we should tell them about Jesus and we should teach them Scripture and we should do all that, but our decisions and our actions and everything, it should be enough. There are people who are watching you. And you look, at, you look at John the Baptist, he said it, I must become less and less so that they can become, so that Jesus can become more and more. And you look from the very moment he said, there's the Messiah, that's him, and he identifies him, immediately John the Baptist's ministry begins to diminish. He becomes less immediately upon that proclamation. And the truth is, is that as people, we're terrified to truly submit our lives to Christ because we're afraid of what it's going to cost us and how it's going to diminish us. But in reality, it doesn't diminish us. It actually gives us more. Anybody who's been saved for any amount of time can testify. Whenever I gave my heart and life to Jesus Christ, I had to give up friends. I had to give up hobbies. I had to give up addictions. I had to give up things that I liked doing and I really enjoyed doing and people I really enjoyed hanging out with. But my life is better now as a result of it. When we put ourselves to death and we let Christ live in us and through us, life gets better. But that's something that you got to come and see. You got to step out on faith and give it enough time in order for you to be able to see God working and moving in your life and how life can be better with Him according to His Word and His laws and His ways. It doesn't make sense to us in the world. That's something we got to step out on faith and to come and see. And point number three. Jesus tested their motives. You know, a lot of people follow Christ and claim to be Christians for a lot of different reasons. Don't know if you ever thought about that before. I've said it a bunch of times. I got saved because I was scared to death to go to hell. I did not love Jesus. I had no desire to change my life, or I really thought I was a pretty good person. I didn't do a whole lot of... Especially as I straightened up, I was a really bad kid, but straightened up pretty good as a teenager and uh, didn't get involved in a lot of things, like was kind of pretty clean for that part. And and I just remember hearing the message of the gospel and they're like, hell's a big deal. I really hadn't given my life to Christ. I'm scared to death to go to hell. I'm going to give my life to Christ. People follow Christ for a lot of different reasons. Some of you might be scared to death to go to hell. Some of you might follow Christ because you have something in your life that you won't fix and you ain't got no other way to fix it and you're just like, maybe Jesus can help me. Maybe Jesus can help me with this physical issue. Maybe Jesus can help in this problem, this relationship. Maybe this will happen and you, we, just step, we just say, okay, Jesus, I'm going to give you a shot. When Jesus turned around, he looks at these two disciples. He asks them, he says, what do you want? He tests their motives. I don't know if you ever thought about that before. When you was getting ready this morning and you put on your clothes, you put on your shoes and you're getting ready and you looked in the mirror. Did you ever look in the mirror this morning and say, what, what do I want from today? You ever think about that? Like, what do you want? Why are you here? Like, exactly why did you show up to church this morning? 
Did you go because, well, my mama, you might be 50 years old. My mama whipped me if I didn't go to church today, so I came to church. Some of you were forced to come. You're like, I definitely wouldn't be here if my mom and dad didn't make me come. Some of you might be like, well, Sunday is just what we do. Oh, family's going to church. We're all going out to eat afterward. Some of you right now is like, I know I'm here today. I'm here because Sunday dinner is the best meal of the week. And if I don't come to church, I don't get to eat Sunday dinner, so I'm going Sunday dinner. Why'd you come? What do you want? Like, what do you come to church for? And the truth is, is that we should all say, well, we just want to be with Jesus. That should, it should be the answer, whether or not we realize it, that should be the answer. When the disciples are asked that question, what do they say? They don't respond with a statement. They respond with another question. Jesus says, what do you want? Well, where are you staying? We just want to go with you. We want to go where you are. They just wanted to be with Jesus. There's no pure motives in that. They didn't know for sure that he was the Messiah. I mean, like they believed their John the Baptist's testimony, and so they left and followed. But at this time, when you, when you read the Gospels and you start really looking into it, there's a lot of doubt among the disciples. They had a really hard time. Some of them really didn't truly believe until the end. Jesus' own family members, his brothers, did not believe in him until after he was resurrected from the dead. Faith is not easy. Faith is extremely difficult across the board. And, for, and, and so Jesus says, well, come and see. Step out on faith. Come and see. And if you follow Christ, if you put your faith in him and you trust in him, you have the ability to come and see all the things that Christ has to offer you. The disciples didn't ask for a sign. They didn't ask for a miracle. They didn't ask for food. They didn't ask for somebody to be healed in their family it wasn't a matter of like what they could personally gain from it. You with me today? So, so as you're talking about what do you want today? What do you want from Christ? What do you want from church? What, exactly why are you here? There's, there should be no personal motives of, well, I just want to feel better. Well, I feel guilty. I feel like garbage. I just want to feel better today. I just want to do what I'm supposed to do so that I don't feel like I'm going to hell. So I'm going to church. The desire should be to just be with Christ to be where he is, to be in his presence, to be with other people who love Jesus and come to be in his presence. And in that, whenever our motives are pure and we just want to be with Christ, he invites us to come and see. You know, every time the religious leaders came to Jesus, they said, are you the Messiah? He never really responds to them because he knows like they're wanting something from him and he just doesn't even really respond to them. He just avoids them. Show us a sign. Show us a miracle. Show us something to prove that you are the Messiah, the one that we've been waiting for. And he never gives them one. But the disciples who came to see for themselves and followed him without the sign and without the miracles and without the proof, dude, over the next three years, they got to see all the signs that you could possibly see. They got to see all the miracles that you could possibly see. They got to see him walk on water, calm the wind and the waves, heal the sick, raise the dead, make the uh, lame walk, the blind see, feed 5,000 people. They saw it all. They got to see everything. And so to understand that the calling on our life to step out on faith and to truly follow Christ and to come and see what he has to offer, you need to realize and understand you may not see something immediately in the moment, 
but you are called to step out on faith. And in due time, God gives us plenty to see in his timing. God answers prayer in his timing. God provides in his timing. God heals in his timing. God saves in his timing. It's not a matter of coming and needing the evidence, but it's a matter of coming and seeing what God is able to do. And in time, he is more than happy to do it. I don't know if you ever just wondered why some got to be disciples and some didn't. You know, I said it earlier, it's not like this was just some invitation-only club. But the first disciples, they just started following him. They, they trusted what they heard. They heard the testimony, and so they just started following him. And Jesus stopped by, and he called some of them personally and said, Hey, come and follow me. But there were plenty of people who followed Christ. He had more than just 12 disciples. I don't know if you knew that or not. He had a lot of different disciples. We read about the 12 most of the time, but he had a lot of different disciples. But we have really got to get to the point where we're just willing to step out on faith. For people who are already saved this morning, it's really, really important for you to, to understand that we are still called to step out on faith every day. Like we're called to live by it. It is who we are as believers that we're called to live by faith. Faith is what makes us righteous. It's what makes us right in the eyes of God is, is just believing that Jesus Christ is enough. And through faith, it's our greatest testimony that we have to give to the world that we don't rely on ourselves. We don't rely on institutions or, or tactics or anything that we can do. But the fact that we rely on God and have faith in Him is the greatest testimony that we can give to the people around us. And it doesn't matter if you've been saved for decades. There's still a calling on our life to live by faith. To step out and to see what God can do. Like you still have a calling. Come and see. Come and see what I'm able to do. You think salvation is it? You say you believe in Jesus Christ, that you believe in the one true God, and you think the only thing that he's capable of doing is saving you and giving you eternal life. He can do so much more. Not only in you, but through you. God can do so much more. And we talk about revival, and we talk about seeing people get saved, and we want that to happen, and we want our community, we want the world to change. And especially right now, I hear so many people bickering and whining about culture and society and media and social media. It's like, God, I hope the Lord comes back soon. Yes, Jesus can come back, but He can also save people. He can change people's hearts. It's like it's not just a matter of, man, I hope God comes back soon because we're not going to do anything to make sure the Holy Spirit moves in this place and see people get saved. No, like we should be hoping and praying and witnessing to people and hope to see a revival break out so that all these people can get saved. That's what God truly wants. You know, Scripture says that He delays His coming so that more and more people can get saved. God would rather the world get saved than just to come back and destroy all of them and send them to hell. So if you talk about coming and seeing and putting your faith in Christ, the whole idea should be see as many people get saved as we possibly can. And your life is the greatest testimony that you have to give, but you've got to step out on faith and live it. 
What if John the Baptist would have never done it? You ever think about that? <clears throat> what if he would have never proclaimed the coming of the Messiah? God said, this is the purpose I have for your life. It's what I want you to do. And what if he would have never done it? What if we would have never had those disciples that he trained up to follow Christ? What if he would have never baptized all those people? Can you imagine not having baptism in the church? How much different would it be? What if those two disciples who heard John the Baptist's testimony, what if they would have never left him and followed Christ? How much different would it be? It's like we read Scripture and we think, oh, well, that was then. Those were those people. It's like, no, you need to believe in your life. It's not that you are that important or that significant, but it's the fact that God wants to use you, which makes you that important and that significant. It's the reason why you exist. It's not to perform a task or to be, you know, to have some sort of profession or to raise a family or to do anything. Like the reason why you live and breathe is to bring glory and honor to God. That is the calling that God's placed on your life. You have to believe that. And if you believe that, it means that your life has so much more purpose and meaning than you ever could have with anything else that you could invest yourself in. Your life not, not just has, it doesn't just have a worldly meaning, but it has an eternal meaning at that point. We can't neglect the calling that God has on our life. If you're sitting here today and you've never been saved, you never put your faith in Christ, I mean, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, we need to live by faith. We need to step out on faith and believe that God wants to work and move. God wants to see people get saved. God is not happy with what we have in our world. God is not happy with sin. God is not happy with corruption. God is not happy with the immorality that we see going on everywhere around us. God's not happy with that. He wants to change it. And our cry as followers of Jesus Christ should not be, man, I hope the Lord comes back soon because it's getting really bad. Our cry should be that God unleashes the Holy Spirit to change people, to change the world, to, to convict people, to have another revival, to have another great awakening. That should be our desire. The Lord coming back is just, it's what has to happen. But if you're sitting here this morning and you never even put your faith in Jesus Christ, you need to understand that it's a calling to come and see. It's not easy. Faith is hard. And like I said, there's a lot of people been saved for a long time. And it's hard to always have faith. It's hard to live that out every day in every situation, every circumstance. Because we don't always know. and We don't always feel good about the circumstances that we're living in. But it's in those moments that we have the ability to testify the most for Jesus Christ and to trust in Him. When other people are sitting back and watching, and they can watch the way that we act in our faith and how we respond, and then see God work and move eventually in our life, that's whenever people put their trust and faith in Christ too. So if you're sitting here today and you never put your trust and faith in Jesus Christ, you need to start watching some other people. You need to start observing other people in their lives. Find somebody that you say, okay, this is like the most godly person that I know, that I, that I can think of. I, need, I want to start watching them and, and try to kind of model my life after what they're doing and believe and trust and, and talk with them and have spiritual conversations with them. It's a calling to have faith to step out and to come and follow Christ because you don't know. You don't know the peace and the joy that Christ can give you until you see for yourself, until you experience it. 
It takes faith to step out and receive that. You don't know the forgiveness of sin. You don't know the joy, the happiness that you get, even when you lose friends and, and things in your life that you really like, and, and to see how God can replace those things and replenish those things in your life and make you happier than what you were before. God can do that, but you've got to come and see in order to experience it for yourself. It takes faith. So I just want to challenge you this morning, don't sell yourself short. God has something for you. God not only wants to do something in you, but God wants to do something through you. God has the power to not only save you, but to do amazing and wonderful things through you. And you have to step out on faith and believe that. And the things in this life that you're so worried about losing or giving up or forsaking or missing out on, you have to be willing to step out on faith and to test it for yourself to see whether or not that God's promises are true, that He is faithful. If you step out on faith and you follow Him and you serve Him in time, He proves Himself to be true. You can read passages of Scripture, thousands of years old, and you see it constantly how that Scripture is lived out over and over and over again to prove itself true. As we were finishing up our Matthew Bible study, one of the things that we talked about was, was the fact that Jesus, even on the cross, up until his last breath before he died, refused the wine mixed with gall, refused the, the opportunity to, have, to be given something to numb the pain and kind of take him out you know, so he can endure what was happening because that was a very common practice. They, they gave the people hanging on the cross to kind of numb the pain, to be somewhat humane and the most inhumane process you could possibly put somebody through. And Jesus denied that so that he could be of clear mind and clear body as he's going through all that. So even up until his last breath, he is fulfilling prophecies in the Word of God, proving it to be true. That even as Jesus is dying... The most important thing to him as he's dying on that cross is making sure that the prophecies and the word of God are being lived out and fulfilled until he breathed his last breath and died. That's how important God's word is. That's how important in having faith in God's word is. So if you're sitting here this morning and you're saying, man, I, I, I don't know, I'm just unsure. I don't know if I can do it. I mean, it's scary. I don't want to. And there's some of you in here, you've already put your trust and faith in Christ, but there's things that God's calling you to. There's things that God's calling you away from. There's things that God is just speaking to you about. It's like, man, I don't know. I don't know if I can do this. Come and see for yourself what God can do. Come and see for yourself. The invitation's there. It's not like, you know, this is... Something where you just have to like do some great feat and accomplish some great task in order to get into the club. No, 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 no. The invitation's there for everybody. And it doesn't matter how cool you are or insignificant you feel in your life. The invitation is there for you to come and see what God can do in you and through you. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to come together today and to worship you and to bring you praise. Lord, as we finish up in this time, Lord, I don't know what these people came for today. I don't know what our plan or our desire was when we were getting ready this morning and getting ready to go to church. 
But Lord, the most important thing that we can do is to step out on faith and be with you, to follow you, to come and see for ourselves what you have in store for us. Lord, there's never a promise in Scripture that you haven't fulfilled. There's never a prophecy that hasn't come true. There's not one single thing that you have offered us as followers of Christ that you have not been willing to provide. So Jesus, we may not feel it, we may not be able to see it in the beginning, but Lord, I pray today that you would help us to be obedient to that nudging that we feel right now in our life, to give something up, to do something that we know you're calling us to do, to be willing to step out on faith and to leave something behind. Lord, whatever it may be, I pray that you would help us to trust in you, to have faith, and to come and see for ourselves what God can do. Lord, we love you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.